welcome to EVN Report. My name is Maria Titizian, and joining me today is Dr. Nerses Kopalian. He is the author of the EVN uh, security briefing that we've been doing now for uh, approximately 14 months. Welcome to the program, Nerses. Nice to be here, Maria. This month's security briefing is called Security Independence Through Security Diversification. Since the end of the 2020 war, and especially after the September 2022 Azerbaijani attack on Armenia proper, Yerevan has been trying to diversify its security architecture. And we've talked about this multiple times over the past year. Uh, and with the fallout from the ethnic cleansing of Artsakh, Nagorno-Karabakh, uh, this September, uh, Armenia continues deepening its relations with the European Union and with the United States. The developments in October are extensions of Armenia's year-long decoupling from Russia with the Western pivot designed to allow Armenia to escape Russia's dependency structure and attain security independence through security diversification. Now, you write that the Western pivot is neither ideational nor conceptually geopolitical, but rather a byproduct of a dire security environment and Russia's abdication of its treaty obligations toward Armenia. Um, the Western pivot, the pivot, therefore, is not about Yerevan making geopolitical moves, but rather it simply wants to survive. Please explain to our listeners what the Western pivot entails uh, and, and just a little bit more detail about Yerevan's maneuvering at this point. Uh, of course. So there's extensive and a lot of misunderstanding as to what the Western pivot constitutes. And this misunderstanding is a byproduct of both lack of, of foreign policy experts in Armenia that are able to address these developments and also an inability to develop a causal link between security diversification and the Western pivot. So when I make the note that the Western pivot isn't ideational, that it's directional, what this means is Armenia Armenia is pivoting away from Russia towards the West because this is the only mechanism that Armenia can have access to alternative security resources. Meaning, being part of Russia's dependency structure has proven to be a failure and that Armenia's entire security architecture has collapsed. So you have your dichotomy between dependency and diversification. Armenia realized the dependency structure failed. Therefore, the only alternative is diversification. Armenia cannot have security diversification while remaining within Russia's orbit. Therefore, it must pivot away from Russia. This is the directional pivot that I'm talking about, right? It must pivot away from Russia. And any pivot away from Russia directionally becomes a Western pivot. So this is not an ideational pivot where we want to be Western or we want to advance Western values or ideas. That's a separate subject of conversation. But this is a directional pivot that's going to allow Armenia to have more access to hard power capabilities because Russia no longer either provides or refuses to provide hard power capacity. So in this context, if you remain in a dependency structure, you cannot diversify. And unidimensional access to security has failed Armenia. So in order for Armenia to be able to have access to alternative sources of hard power security, this diversification requires a rupturing of that dependent structure. This is what the Western pivot entails. So in this context, we see that even after the 2020 war, Armenia continued to some, uh, to some extent maintain uh, uh, its security uh, alliance with Russia, still operating under the logic that 
Russia will continue supporting Armenia's security. That is the Republic of Armenia. When this proved to be a failure, this is what I call the false promise of security by Russia. When this proved to be a failure, Armenia had a severe dilemma. We had a situation where there was a severe power asymmetry. Azerbaijan kept arming itself, while Armenia did not have access to arms. The only access it had was Russia, and Russia refused to provide arms. So the asymmetry kept growing even after the 2020 war. In this context, Armenia had no other option but to do a Western pivot so it could diversify its security. So security diversification in this context is defined not ideationally or geopolitically, but rather Armenia's basic simple need to have hard power capabilities to deter Azerbaijan. So the conceptual uh, premise here is that security diversification is the ultimate objective, and the Western pivot is a means to achieving that objective. Okay, I want to ask the question because you're saying that decoupling from Russia is the only way to diversify its security. Is this because Armenia uh, is a member or was a member, still is a member of the Collective Security Treaty Organization, thereby preventing uh, Yerevan from attaining hard power capabilities from alternative sources? Definitely. So that's part of the the, the equation here. Um, You know, let's look at it through this very simple analogy of, let's say, you know, a given business having exclusive uh, rights with a given provider and their procurement could be solely through that singular provider, right? This is what Armenia had. And so when that provider fails to meet its contractual obligations, okay, the given client has no other option but to seek uh, other mechanisms of procurement. In Armenia's case, for over 30 years, right, over 90% of our weaponry came from Russia. And so when you have a complete reliance on that given structure and the structure fails, you are left exposed. You're naked. You don't have the ability or the capacity to arm and defend yourself. So one mechanism of diversification, which was a stopgap measure, was India. But even purchasing a maximum amount of weaponry from India that Armenia could, that still not is not going to be sufficient enough to address the asymmetrical imbalance with Azerbaijan. So the need to close the power disparity requires Armenia not to simply go from one uh, uh, dependency structure, Russia, to another dependency structure, whether that's solely India or solely another country. Diversification entails having access to multitude of resources so that if you're constrained by one uh, uh, avenue of resource, you have access to others. So this multiplication of access is fundamentally necessary. It's an important part of security diversification and having access to hard power capabilities. So with Russia, especially after uh, Russia's uh, uh, invasion of Ukraine in 2022, this became even more problematic because any attempt to even discuss weapons procurement with any Western actors uh, became fundamentally problematic. Armenia was qualified, quote-unquote, as a Russian satellite, and no one was going to sell hard power capacities to a Russian satellite. So the decoupling was a necessity. The pivot was a necessity. The rupturing of the dependency structure or that quote-unquote satellite status was fundamentally necessary to allow Armenia to have access to alternative sources and therefore achieve um, the nascent stages of diversification. So these are all fundamentally um, interconnected. 
more to the point, when we observe Armenia's attempt to uh, purchase weapons in the international market, right, even after 22, we had constraints because, as you noted, we were a CSTO member. And that fundamentally created problems. So you have a situation where dependency has led to a security failure. Because of that dependency, you're not able to address your security problems. And the only mechanism you have is diversification. That diversification required leaving Russia's orbit. And this is primarily what the Western pivot is. In the article, what I note that the Western pivot or the decoupling of Russia doesn't mean, for example, severing all kinds of relations with Russia. You still continue to trade. You still continue to have relationships. Having relationships and having unhealthy dependency are two different things. Just because one escapes the dependency structure and develops an independent foreign and security policy does not mean you cannot work or develop relations with the given country that you had been close with in the past. So I think this sort of zero-sum logic is one of the also important factors that has led to a misunderstanding of the Western pivot. It is not an anti-Russian move, and it is not a pro-Western move. It is fundamentally a pro-diversification move, which right now is in the intrinsic and very dire needs and interests of Armenia. But Russia obviously views this as an anti-Russian move or position or positioning. So how do we mitigate that relationship? Even though... Yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yes, most definitely. I cut you off there, Maria. Because uh, for Russia, it's not simply the Western factors. This is something a little more nuanced. Russia prefers the dependency structure. This is the whole issue. Russia does not want Armenia to leave its orbit. Therefore, Russia attempts to maintain Armenia in its dependency structure while not providing the necessities that justify that dependency. This is the issue. And so for Russia, of course, any country that is within its dependency structure is subjugated to extensive Russian influence and leverage. By leaving at this dependency structure, Armenia negates those uh, capacities. And this uh, appears to be Russia's fundamental problem. So Russia knows very well that the pivot is specific to security. It's not ideational. But they're going to utilize that as an uh, instrument of pressure to basically call it a, a, a westernized move or an anti-Russian move. But in reality, that isn't the case. And, and to the, address that point, right, there's a very, very simple answer. If Russia provided Armenia the bare military necessities through which Armenia could deter Azerbaijan, we would not be having this conversation. So if it's, it's not as if Russia provided Armenia all the weaponry that Armenia needed, and then after that, Armenia pivoted. If that happened, then yes, that Russian posturing could have some tenability. But we're nowhere close to that argument or that thing, position that Russia is taking. This is why that, that uh, uh, argument or the narrative out of the Kremlin simply doesn't hold. Right. And, and as you said earlier, and as you have written in the briefing, uh, you know, for 25 years, Armenia's foreign and security policies were obviously within Russia's orbit. Now, for any country to have an independent foreign uh, policy and security policy, it means the ability to exercise and prioritize its national interests in coordination with strategic partners. Russia is a strategic partner. The EU could be a strategic partner, France, India, the US, whatever. What's astounding to me is that when Yerevan is positioning itself to have an independent foreign and security policy to prioritize its national interest, this is being seen as uh, as something that will create uh, more conflicts, more problems for the country. 
Definitely from the, the pro-Russia uh, 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 groups or, or factions within Armenia, and definitely from the Kremlin's perspective, right? Uh, as I noted, Kremlin's uh, uh, argument is that you have no right to have an independent foreign policy. You're supposed to be in my sphere of influence, therefore you are supposed to abide by my interests, okay? And this is a fundamental problem. And that logic for the last 30 years, the way that it has been in, uh, ingrained in Armenia's political culture is that if we don't always do what Russia wants, we will have a security dilemma, therefore it's not worth the risk. So what you have here is basically an artificial catch-22, this artificial paradox that's been created, which basically says you either support Russia or you're damned. But even after supporting Russia, you are damned, doesn't matter, keep supporting Russia. It's a self-negating argument. And so the whole logic of Armenia needs to deprioritize its interests in favor of Russian interests is no longer a tenable argument because Russia's interests no longer align with Armenia's. And we've seen this since 2021 with Azerbaijan's continued incursions into Armenia proper with the Jermuk invasion, with the ethnic cleansing of Nagorno-Karabakh. Russia is absent. And so if Russia's strategic interests are a Russo-Azerbaijani axis, and because of that, Armenia has to suffer, this is no longer a tenable argument where anyone in Armenia could say, sorry, lesser of the two evils, we still have to suffer Russia's lack of loyalty or Russia's lack of uh, fulfillment of its treaty obligations. That no longer becomes a tenable argument. So when you have such a huge gap between Armenian interests and Russian interests, and furthermore, when Russian interests fundamentally harm the most basic of Armenia's interests, the argument here is no longer about aligning interests or, or, or uh, uh, siding with Russia on any issue. The objective right now is to develop an independent foreign security policy where you don't need to contradict Russia, but you do need to prioritize your own national interest. This concept remains very alien in Armenia's foreign policy thinking Prior to 2021, the logic that Armenia has the audacity or the right to have independent foreign policy thinking, well, yeah, that is the whole point of being a sovereign country, right? Anything else is basically suggesting that no subservience is how Armenia should proceed. And that is not a tenable argument. More so, part of this discourse is, and this is another problem, a modality of thinking that we have as fully ingrained in Armenia's uh, political culture, at least uh, in the pre-Velvet elite, and even within certain post-Velvet uh, policymaking, is the whole logic of a savior complex, that you need a great power to protect and save Armenia. And so if Russia is willing to do that, we are going to suffer all the residual fallout because Russia is our savior. Well, Russia is no longer that savior, right? Quote, unquote. So the next argument is, well, who is going to be Armenia's savior? That savior syndrome fundamentally is not only unhealthy, it's conducive to insecurity. And so how do you shift that thinking? How do you shift those false policies? How do you shift those underdeveloped or incorrect doctrines? You have to establish an independent foreign security policy where you have at some level self-reliance, where you're able to address the minimal security needs of your country, and you're, and you're able to have minimum deterrence capability. You cannot have that if you don't engage in security diversification. This is why all of these are interconnected and why the pivot is so crucial to this process. And also why it is so um, incomprehensible, and uh, I would almost say creating fear among some levels of Armenian society, because for since independence, this has been the narrative that we are a small, weaker country, you know, facing two 
states who, who want our uh, annihilation. Therefore, only Russia can be our protector. It's almost very painful for us to understand that we can have an independent foreign and security policy. We can diversify our security architecture to protect ourselves, first and foremost. But I, but I, I want to shift gears and because you also talk about Azerbaijan and Georgia and their own security architectures and how that fits into the larger sort of region. So if you can touch upon those, I think um, it would help, you know, place uh, Armenia's moves now uh, a little bit into a better context for our listeners. Most definitely. So as we noted, right, uh, if we look at sort of the continuum, and this is in the, in, in the security briefing of the foreign policy structuration with Russia being at one end of a continuum and then the United States and the, Euro- and, and the West being on the other end of the continuum, the shift is qualified whether you're doing a Western pivot towards one or you're doing a Russia pivot towards the other. And in the middle, right, in the middle of the continuum, you have basically the independent foreign policy orbit. So countries, right, uh, like Azerbaijan, like Georgia, for example, okay, for a very long time have actually had independent foreign policy structurations. Uh, Azerbaijan, since uh, um, you know 2009, 2010, has displayed a very robust foreign policy, independent foreign policy orientation. Sometimes they've tilted the West when it, uh, when they need be, and a lot of times they've t- tilted towards Russia when need be. But they did not fall into any of these orbits, whether the Western or the Russian orbit. And what that independent foreign policy and security policy allowed Azerbaijan to do was to diversify its security. So it purchased from Turkey. It purchased from Russia, it purchased from Israel, it purchased from China, it purchased from any country that it wanted because there was no other country to which Azerbaijan was under a dependency structure where that more powerful country told them, you cannot do it. Right. So this diversification allowed Azerbaijan to enhance its security capabilities. To a large extent, this has been similar to Georgia. While Georgia's foreign policy was relatively more uh, Western-leaning and it fell a little more in the Western orbit, their, their security policy, to, to, to a very important extent, was still diversified. Because when we talk about West, you're talking about a lot of countries within the West. And so having security access to these multitude of countries in of itself makes it conducive to diversification. So the shift that we had seen, you know, in, in the last two decades of these two other Caucasus countries that had escaped or were not part of Russia's orbit, they were able to diversify both their foreign policies and their security policies. This is why nobody specifically could dictate terms to Aliyev. Nobody, in essence, can dictate terms to Ivanashvili. There may be dis- disagreements with some of their partners, but fundamentally, these countries' foreign policies are driven by their uh, political leadership. It's not a question of the policies are good or bad. That's besides the point, right? But as far as Armenia is concerned, until 2021, our foreign policy was fundamentally dictated by Russian interests. And so we had no diversification. And so when we do a correlational study between the shift in the continuum and security capacity, it's very, very straightforward, right? There's a positive correlation between the the security strengthening of uh, Azerbaijan and Georgia and how in the continuum they tend to be in the independent foreign policy um, orbit. For Armenia, there's a negative correlation. The more we were in Russia's security orbit, the more insecure Armenia was. And the consequences of 2022, uh, 2023 with the Artsakh cleansing and three years before that with the 2020 war, all of that indicated. 
So in this context, right, when we look at the, the four independent foreign policies of these of the, the two other countries in the South Caucasus, this the independent foreign policy makes it conducive to independent security policy, and that is the diversification of configuration. Now, does uh, Georgia have stronger security relationships with the U.S. and the West? Of course. Does Turkey have strong? Uh, uh, does Azerbaijan have stronger security relations with Turkey? Of course. But these are not unidimensional, right? Turkey, uh, Azerbaijan can go to Israel and get more enhanced weaponry, right? Georgia could go to any other European country, right, and and uh, have access to secure diversification. Armenia had none of these. Okay, none of it. In that context, then we're seeing that, and I, I provided this sort of comparative foreign policy methodology here for us. We could for us to see that in empirical terms, there are direct, there's a directional and a correlational relationship between uh, a given country's posturing on a continuum, whether you're independent or whether you're, you're within the orbit of an illiberal uh, orbit, and how this affects security. And we've seen that Armenia which was supposed to be until 2020 with the way we were boasting and talking about, uh, Armenia, which was supposed to be the most powerful military in the region, actually turned out to be the weakest military in the region, not because of the quality of its soldiers or its society, because of its security policy, lack of diversification and full dependency. And this created a complete structural collapse. Okay, but uh, Nerses, one might argue that Azerbaijan and Georgia had, quote unquote, the luxury of being able to diversify their security needs and architecture, Azerbaijan having vast uh, resources in oil and gas, and Georgia having the vast support of the West, especially after the Rose Revolution, and access to hard power capabilities and whatnot. Armenia did not have those uh, those opportunities. So maybe perhaps Armenia doesn't have many choices. Policy orientation isn't defined by resource specificity. Um, for example, Baku, even during uh, uh, the, the Haider Aliyev regime, was not fully a, a Russian think satellite. And, and during that period, uh, Azerbaijan's oil revenues are not what they eventually became. They were not uh, at the level where it eventually uh, uh, was allowing the, the son uh, Ilham to utilize those resources for his redentist demeanor, so on and so forth. Uh, same with uh, um, Georgia, right? Um, you know, Georgia, even before uh, the, the Rose Revolution, was not in Russia's orbit. Yes, uh, it had uh, involvements with Russia. Yes, the South Ossetian and the Abkhazian civil wars uh, or wars of secession created instability in Georgia. But fundamentally, right, the Shevardnadze government had a relatively healthier balance with respect to both utilizing Western capacities and, and access to Russia. Uh, Armenia's wasn't the same. Yes, the Therpet Russian administration had a better balance between the Yeltsin administration and the West. But post-1997, 1998, Armenia became a full Russian satellite. So that shift wasn't simply resource-specific. Both of our neighbors had similar resource deficiency during given periods in their, in their post-Soviet history, yet this didn't qualify a complete subservience to a singular orbit. So in that context, uh, the issue wasn't our capacity, but rather it was basically complete willingness by a, a, an illiberal uh, uh, regime in Armenia who basically uh, equated their regime survival with full subservience with Russia. So security diversification, foreign policy independence 
isn't always defined by resource capacity. It's a question of the preferences of the policymakers and the political elite. Azerbaijan's political elite made the preference of having independent foreign policy. Georgia's political elite made the preference of having an independent foreign policy. Post-1997, Armenia's political elite made the preference of being a Russian satellite. And we are basically reaping the consequences of those 20 years of structural problems that developed as a consequence of that. Well, on that note, Nerses, I think we uh, had a very interesting discussion, very enlightening discussion. So security independence through security diversification. That's the message moving forward. And uh, we'll see what the coming months and years will bring. Thank you for these uh, security briefings. Thank you for taking the time to uh, sort of unpack this month's security report for our listeners. Thank you for the invitation. 